Y'all remember we left off in Nehemiah. Y'all remember that, right? So we're talking about Nehemiah. We're talking about how to uh, find our way. So let's just review a little bit. Uh, When you were in your mother's womb, before you did anything right or wrong, God gave you an assignment. He gave you a race to run. It wasn't about you. It was about him. And so we tell people this. This is the way the Lord gave it to me. Uh, Your destiny, your course, your race in God is not your decision. It's your discovery. And so we don't get to decide who we are and what we do. God's made a plan. Now, how many know God's plan is way better than any plan you can come up with? Pastor Rhonda says it this way. God is smarter than I am. She wasn't just talking about me. She was talking about you too. God is smarter than you are. And so he, he knows what you will do best at. The gifts and the graces that he put in you in your mother's womb. It's when he knew your name. Amen. Whether you were so, well, I was a mistake. Well, whatever they want to call you, when you got in the, your mother's womb, God knew you and he had a plan for you. Ephesians 2.10 says he predestined a good plan for your life. And it says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Amen. Uh, it's only God's plan for your life. Uh, you can, you can do, try to do what you want to do. But, and remember, we're not just talking about where you serve, the nursery, the parking lot, on the worship team. Uh, you should do all that. And we need help. We always need help in a growing church. We need, and we're growing. Uh, we need help. Um, we need to open more nurseries on Sunday morning. Uh, we can use about 30 new nursery workers. We need about 15 new ushers. Uh, I need to make sure nobody runs the stop line. We, we, so there's always places for you to help and plug in. And I, it's Wednesday night, so I know probably 100% of you are serving somewhere. I know 100% of you are serving somewhere. You're praying, you're doing something. I really appreciate it. And you got some uh, cookies on the way. Hallelujah. Um, They're really good. Hallelujah. Uh, Sabrina's making them and she's baking them. Hallelujah. And we passing them out, but only if you serve it. And so, um, so glory to God. Um, the, the thing, but the, and then though your career, your job, you should ask the Lord about that because he, because you're not in church all the time. And so you ought to serve here, but he cares about what your profession is. Maybe he's graced you to be an engineer, a rocket scientist, or a chef, or, you know, uh, you know a sanitation engineer, or, or giving somebody at the Golden Arches their hot french fries, or, or, you know, oh, I had some waffle fries for the first time in a long time, because I went off, y'all. Hallelujah. Anyway, so, uh, but I'm just saying, whoever, but wherever you're at in your season, ask the Lord what you should be doing. Amen. Don't just assume. You should pray about everything. The Lord says, uh, you know, remember the guy in James, he said, well, I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to get gain there for a year. And the Lord said, you don't even know what your life is, what you ought to say if the Lord wills. See, that's, people use that as a funeral you know, message, the, uh, scripture. That is not a funeral scripture. That's a living scripture. Amen. It's not about dying. It's about what city should I live in? What should I be doing this year to get gain? Does the Lord want you to get gain? Yeah. He does. I, I don't know what, you know, um, when Ollie, uh, when I appointed him or asked him to be the treasurer of our corporation, he said, um, do I have to take up the offering? I told you, you didn't. You can say no, but he's doing a good job. Anyway, so, um, but my point is uh, what you ought to say, Lord, 
do I do this or do I do that? That's part of walking out your course. That's the part of your steps are ordered of the Lord. Everybody say, my steps are ordered. Hallelujah. Feeling a little like a squirrel. Every, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for the nuts everywhere we go. You're not a nut. All right, so hallelujah. I don't know. Lack of sleep. All right, glory to God. So we left off with Nehemiah. And so I was talking to you about how, how do we find it? Do we just stumble into the course? Do we just stumble into our destiny? John 16, 13 uh, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, come, he will guide you into all truth, not speak of himself, but he'll show you things to come. Your future doesn't have to remain a mystery. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Are you all filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Do you all pray in other tongues? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons you pray in other tongues is to pray out the mystery. One of the things about a mystery is it ought to be solved. Yeah. And we're going to get into some things tonight. I'm going to remind you of some things uh, because... If the Lord requires us to stand before him and he's going to ask us, did you obey? Then I would think it's only fair that he tell us what we're supposed to do. That would be unjust because people say to me, well, I don't know what I'm called to do. Well, I would say to you, then you need to pray more in the Holy Ghost. You need to believe that he will show you things to come. If your steps are ordered, Lord, where do I put my next step? I would tell you, well, well, he's not telling me, but I, I, I would I submit this to you. Then ask him every day, what should I do today? And if you obey him every day, you'll, you'll understand that you'll get there. You'll get there. If you follow him every day, you'll get there. And so what we're talking about, I'm trying to get to, is we're trying to get to Nehemiah. And so a lot of times, how do I find out my course and destiny is by what you're passionate about. What moves you? Positive and negative. What ticks you off? What do you see that needs fixed? I'm not, you don't need to find something for me to fix, which is what a lot of people want to do. You need to find what you're called to fix. Today, everybody's an armchair quarterback. Everybody's a critic. Everybody's got their opinion. And you can freely give it. But honestly, in that, you might discover who you are. Because what really irritates you, what moves you, when you see something and you think something needs to be changed about that, maybe you are the person that's supposed to change it. I believe God designs us to fix a problem. Doctors fix a problem. Lawyers fix a problem. Chefs fix a problem. And you get paid for the problem you fix. Really, if you think about it. So, Lord, what, would, what did you design me in my mother's womb to do? So you, how do you find out? Um, I, I tell my story all the time, but mine's the one I got to tell because I know me. Uh, when I was uh, a, a sophomore, freshman in high school, uh, where I went to high school, they put you on a course to your destiny. And so they had things set up, uh, you know, before the AP stuff and all that. Um, what, what are you supposed to do? So I wanted to be a history teacher. So I took extra classes in history, and I was preparing to go to college to become a history teacher as a freshman in high school. And I tell this story all the time, but then I got to know the history teachers. And I figured out that during the summer in Illinois, when it was hot, they were painting to survive. And I am no painter. 
I was like, you have to do what? Yeah, well, they had to be carpenters and painters uh, June, July, and August when it's hot so they can make money. So I decided, you know, maybe that's not what I want to be when I grow up. So I began to search, and I'm also good at numbers. And so in my junior year in high school, I changed my course. So now I'm going to become an accountant. And so that's what I did. I went to Indiana State, and I uh, was going to get an accounting degree. When I was a junior there, though, I became um, a a teacher's assistant. And so I got to hang out with all the professors, and this itch in me to teach. So I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and stay and get my master's and become a teacher. And then I got to talk to the professors and I found out how much they make versus how much you can make as a CPA. I decided, no, well, I ain't staying with y'all. I'm going to go on with my dream. (laughs) And then isn't it funny that on Sundays and Wednesdays and other times when you don't get to see me, I'm teaching. You think there's a correlation to that itch on the inside of me? Even when I was not serving God, There was something that wanted to teach. And every job I had, I've always become a trainer. I train people. I train them how to do my job. I used to, when I worked at McDonald's as a manager, when it was slow, I'd find somebody who had something on them, and I'd, I'd work a position and train them. And when something would come up, I'd teach them, now this is what you should have done. That's not what you should have done. This is what you should have done. So I've done that all my life. Isn't that amazing? It's like whatever is in you tries to come out. And Nehemiah, when his brother came to him and said, the walls are down, the city's on fire, he was so grieved. And with that grief, he discovered who he was. It moved him to fast. It moved him to pray. And so he began his journey because his brother came and told him a story about what was going on, but it moved him. I'm telling you, there's things in your life, your everyday life, that points to the discovery of your destiny. And you're not going to be satisfied until you do what God has ordained you to do. Y'all, I'm very passionate about this. I believe I have a revelation of standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to get to that tonight because I keep mentioning it. So I'm going to get to it. But you've got to find out what you're passionate about. Well, there's nothing I'm passionate about. No, baloney. There's something that God, he puts something in all of us. You know, sometimes this message, you know, uh, this message is ministered to a lot of ministers, but 95 or more percent of the body of Christ is not called to the fivefold ministry. And you all ain't getting off of the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to get to it. Everybody has to appear there. Everybody has to stand before Jesus. So you got to discover who you are and your passion, what moves you so Here's Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the king, and he's so moved, he risked his life to to get in front of the king, and he prays for favor for God, and the king lets him go. You don't understand. This guy was there because the king trusted him so that the king didn't die when someone tried to poison him. It it was a good position, but it wasn't a great position because you could die at any moment. 
But I want you to see this, and I didn't get to finish up. And it's, uh, it, uh, is, so let's look at this. Nehemiah 1, 2, that, Nehemiah 1, 2, they don't have my notes, so it might take a minute. That Hananiah, one of my brothers, came and certain men of Judea. So I want you to see that. So Hananiah is his brother. I believe it's his actual brother, his, his, his brother. So Nehemiah is the one that goes and does what? He goes through all this stuff. He, uh, we, New Testament would be grace. He's empowered to do it. The favor of God is on him, just like it was on Joseph, to do what Joseph was called to do. He, he got everybody. I mean, God gave him a strategy. He got everybody to do a gate. You remember they had a sword in one hand, sword in one hand, working with the other hand. Every, every, anytime the enemy would come up with something, God would give him something. They tried to trap him. Uh, one time his life was in danger, tried to get him and to go into a place that only the high priest belonged and he wouldn't go. He'd rather die and God delivered him. So he, so suddenly the wall is done. He's done his part. Uh, he, he has gone through criticism. Uh, he's had to fix an internal problem when the rich folk uh, stole stuff from everybody. He didn't just let it go. He's, he didn't say, I'm not here to do that. He fixed that. So he's doing all this thing. And then you would think that, because that, he could have, because uh, the, the king gave him the governorship kind of thing. And even though he didn't ask for it, but I want you to see this. This is interesting to me. Verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Now it came to pass the wall was built. Everybody said the wall got built. What does that mean? That means Nehemiah in that season obeyed the pre-ordered steps when, from where he was in his mother's womb. He was positioned at the, as the king's cupbearer. And from that place, he was able to do what God called him to do. How many know Joseph? He was number two. He was number two at Potiphar's house. He was number two in the prison. And then he was number two in the palace. He was just number two. Don't be mad if you're number two, because if you end up number two in the palace, you do it all right. Amen. Number two in the prison don't look so hot. But he went from the prison to the palace and he was still, what was the Lord doing? Preparing Joseph to be number two all his life. Number two don't stink if it's the will of God. Amen. So here, now I want you to see this is so cool to me. Now it came to pass and the wall was built. It was all done. And the doors were there. The porters, the singers, and Levites were appointed. Everybody was in their place. Then I gave my brother... Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, because he's a faithful man, and feared God above many. You see, if you just read over that, well, that's nepotism. <clears throat> you know what nepotism is? I barely do. <laughs> but you understand, it's because well, it's of his brother. No, Hananiah, that was always his appointment. He just wasn't called to build the walls. So he got to his brother. I don't know if he knew his brother was supposed to do it, but he reported to him. And so Hananiah, you don't see him in any of the mix of all this. And then suddenly when uh, 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 Nehemiah is done doing what he's supposed to do, he turns it over to his brother so he could do what he's supposed to do. He, Hananiah was obviously first moved because he came to talk to his brother, but he wasn't ordained to build any walls. 
So now this is interesting. He led his brother. How many of you know when you, you, anyway, with brothers and sisters, that's interesting. To really this guy. So he's not mentioned much. The whole book's called Nehemiah. But Hananiah is the one who instigated it. And he gets, to, and he gets a mention here. But he ends up governor and ruler over Jerusalem. Everybody has a part to play. And if everybody just do what God calls them to do, it'd all be better. Amen. Let's look at this. Um, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I keep mentioning this to you, so I want to I show you scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You've been in Bible Institute. In, uh, my, um, Gail and I teach um, foundational doctrines. So um, I think she teaches this part now, but I teach this a lot everywhere I go. Especially I teach it in graduations to other ministers. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all, everybody say all. all. What does all mean? All. Where, where are you going? For we must all appear. So y'all are appearing somewhere. This is a done deal. You can't get out of this one. Now, what is the great white throne judgment? What is that? Revelation. That's where you go get judged either in Jesus or in the devil. The white throne judgment is where... Uh, you're either judged with Jesus or you're judged with the devil. That one depends on what family you're in. That's all. That one is just dividing between what family you're in. Is your father God or are you of, or is your father the devil? There's only two fathers. And when you're on earth, you got you got to choose one. And at the white throne judgment, we're judged with Jesus. Hallelujah. But this one. This is in front of Jesus, and you're on your own. You're standing eyeball to eyeball with the one who gave you everything. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone, they're all, everyone, may receive the things done in his body, according to that hath done, whether it's good or bad. So what does that mean? Well, let's look at some other scripture. Let's look at this. Um, let's, uh, let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, 14, I press towards the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the prize. So at the judgment seat of Christ, you get, if you have obeyed God, you get a crown or plural crowns. There's many kinds of crowns. But everybody doesn't automatically get a crown. Crown, everybody who's born again automatically, when you take your last breath, where do you go? You go to heaven. But I tell people this all the time. It's caused some fussing with some people, but I'm not going to change it. Um, heaven is not your finish line. If you need to move it. If all, you're, if, if, if all you live for is when I die, I'm going to heaven, then you're not going to have any rewards. And eternity, y'all, is a really kind of a long time. It's really long. It's kind of forever. 
And your 80 to 120 years, whatever you choose down here on the earth, can't be redone. Once you've done it, there is no redo. Now, on earth, you get a whole lot of redos. Are you everybody grateful for that? Amen. Well, I'll raise both hands and tell you I am. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, and so, where, what is the mark? What, it, what is the mark? I tell you the mark is the judgment seat of Christ. That's my finish line. Uh, Billy Brim, she, said, she uh, had two great men of God tell her this, and I heard her on a tape say this. Uh, both Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, and most of you are familiar with him, but uh, uh, most, some of you are familiar, Dr. Lester Sumrall. These are men that really uh, were great uh, men of God. Uh, and uh, if you haven't heard of either one of them, then get some of their old books because they're still good. All right. But both of them said to her at different occasions uh, how they lived every day to stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. It's something about if you do that, it'll keep you going the right direction. How I many know everybody and all of us are going to stand in front of him? And it really shouldn't something to be afraid of. If you're doing everything you know to do to obey God, then that's not a place to be afraid of. It's a place to be excited about. Amen? Amen. And the apostle Paul, he said this too. He said this. Let's look at this one. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. What are we talking about? Our course, our destiny. Now we're talking about how to get there. We're talking about how to discover it, and we're talking about how to get there, and where are we going? Where are we going? Well, we do everything we do on the earth to get to one place. Because you're already born again. You're going to heaven. Y'all born again? Are you going to heaven? When you take your last breath, don't anyone do it tonight, but when you take your last breath, you're going to heaven. And then when you get to heaven, there's a place you got to go to. You're appointed to appear before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat, or sometimes in our circles, people like to call it the reward seat because judgment is too harsh. But if you go to court and you get a judgment, it could be a good one. The judge could go, uh, I grant you $5 million. I mean, you know that's a judgment, but it's a good one. So judgment doesn't have to be bad, but judgment is neither bad or good. It just depends on who you are and what you did, what kind of judgment you're going to get. And the deal of it is you could be 70 years old and not have done anything for God. And in the next 10 to 20 years, do everything God has told you to do. And you could end up with multiple crowns. Amen. It's never too late, but it's also never too early. Amen. Paul said this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. What? He has a course. What did he do? He finished it. How did he finish it? Well, I fought a good fight. So that tells me this. My course is not just going to, the devil's just not going to lay down and let me do what I want to do. He's going to fight you on this one. He's going to fight you on this. He's going to fight to keep, he can't keep you out of heaven anymore. He can't, he can't keep you out of heaven anymore. Do you know the devil's read the word? Do you know he knows what's in there? He's a master at at, uh, manipulating it. Or the King James says, resting it. He's a master at it. And, and the devil knows that if he can get you off your course, if he can get you doing what you want to do in this life, that he may not be able to keep you out of heaven, but he'll keep you from getting your crown and try to make your life miserable along the way. The happy place, the joyful place, is being in the middle of the will of God. 
Doing what the Lord asks you to do, whether it's convenient or not convenient, whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. How do you know the apostle Paul fought? Come on. Every city he went to, every town he went to, he, he had revival and a riot. Dude was beaten, left for dead, bobbed up and down the ocean. People that were supposed to be for him stole from him. People who were against him stole from him. He had to live with the regret of having believers who he's trying to get people to become. He had to live with the regret that he killed many of them. Stood right there. And one of the first deacons, he he said, okay, go ahead and kill him. He lived with that. That's why he said, forgetting those things that are behind. Dude had some regrets. But he couldn't let those regrets keep him from obeying God. I'm sure some people even pointed that out to him. Without social media. Right? But what did he say in the end? I fought a good fight. Come on, I fought a good fight. I need some fighters in the room. Some of you are on the sidelines. The Holy Ghost is saying, get back in. Get back up. Come on. You don't have any boxing gloves, but you got a sword of the Spirit. Come on. Get up and do what God has called you to do. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I finished. I finished. Don't go home to be with the Lord till you finish. And I'm looking over the crowd. Nobody's finished yet. Hallelujah. Come on, I have finished my course. And how did I get there? I kept the faith. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. In other words, I kept using, I fought a good fight. I fought a fight of faith. How many know that when you fight a fight of faith, you always win? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? But by, by you know, I, I resist the devil steadfastly in the faith. So in order to get to the finish line, Paul had to fight a good fight. He had to walk on his course. Amen. Even the apostle Paul, who used to be Saul, remember, he thought he was doing God a favor getting rid of all these people. He really thought he was doing right. Didn't he? He really did. He thought he was doing God a favor. This, 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 uh, the, these Christians, this sect, was uh, he, he needed to wipe them off the earth because they, they, were, they, were, they were messed up and he wanted to get rid of them. But the Lord appeared to him and his zeal to uh, get rid of them then turned into the same amount or even greater zeal to get people in that way. It's interesting. His whole life was b- before Jesus was about that the way, Christians. And then afterwards, Again, what, what moves you, what irritates you, what motivates you, there you can find out your destiny in life. And don't try to put it off on anybody else because what irritates you may not irritate everybody else. And be careful what's irritating you is not just in your flesh or what somebody else told you ought to irritate you. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful how you hear it because it'll mess up your destiny. Yeah, I have finished my course. I kept the faith. Verse eight. Therefore, or henceforth, henceforth, there is laid up for me a 
crown of righteousness. Now, people pull that out and say, well, everybody gets a crown of righteousness. No, you got to take it back. I finished my course. I kept the faith. This is not automatic. Well, I'm righteous, so I get a crown. No, that's not what this means. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but unto them that also love is appearing. Why love is appearing? I'm getting a crown. No, not unless you finish your course, not unless you obeyed him. you got to put those two verses together. You can't pull one out. Amen? Everybody gets a crown. Everybody doesn't get a crown. Well, what difference does it make? Well, I love this. I don't know a whole lot of people that minister along these lines, but I'm going to tell you what I I see here in the scriptures. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. And if you've been through Bible Institute, you've heard me minister along these lines. Revelation chapter 4, verse number 10. Revelation 4. Is all about worship in heaven. Um, John the Revelator had a vision, and he saw Jesus on the throne being worshipped by the 24 elders and for the, those cool beasts around the throne. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, he, he kept, yeah, he, his eyes got opened. And, um, uh, and verse 5 says, Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices. Heaven's not quiet, y'all. I mean, and uh, there were seven lamps of fire burning for the throne. Um, There was a sea of glass like crystal in the midst of the throne. And around the throne, the four beasts with all those eyes. I mean, so he's seeing all that. And then it talks about the beast. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then those beasts uh, gave glory and honor and thanks to him. And then verse 10, the 24 elders... Fall down. Who are the 24 elders? Well, it seems to me the 12, uh, you know, patriarchs from the old covenant, the 12 apostles of the lamb. And then, so here, so these 24 are men. They're human beings who have lived on the earth. They're just like us. All right. 24 elders. And what do they do? Uh, And they worship him that lives. So this is a worship service. Jesus, the Lamb of God, is being honored. He's being honored, and what we see, we get a little part of it. It may not be the whole part of it. We see other places where the angels are worshiping um, and, and giving him glory and honor. The 24 elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns. If you study the Word of God, there's only one place that I see in the entire Word of God where anybody gets a crown, and it's at the judgment seat of Christ. So these 24 had to go through the judgment seat of Christ to get their crown in order to lay it down at Jesus' feet. So my thing to you is everybody doesn't get a crown. But my goal in life is when this day comes, I'm going to have one. I'm going to have one. And the only way to get one is to obey. The only way to get one is to follow the Lord. The only, not the only way to get one is to be a minister of the gospel. Everybody can get a crown, but everybody is not obeying. You can't compare yourself among yourself. You've got to figure out what is the Lord asking me to do, and that's in my life. You, you don't have two lives. You don't have a sacred life and a secular life. You just got one. You need to combine them. And in both areas of your life, in your life, are you obeying God every day? How do I know? Well, you have to follow the Holy Ghost. You have to pray 
You have to ask the Lord, where am I supposed to be? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? And when you do, the blessings on the earth are greater and and life is easier. Even when a hard thing comes, when you know you're in the will of God, you can fight the good fight of faith. You don't need to be, when when the devil comes, uh, having to figure out how to get back in the will of God. Now, y'all, Wednesday night, y'all serious about this stuff. And I know other people are serious who aren't here on Wednesday night. But I, I know you all are serious about this. So I think the Holy Ghost tonight, though, is imploring some of you that um, get about it. Whatever it is he's asking you to do, big or small, um, what, whatever your part is in this body, whatever your part is during the day, what are you supposed to be doing for God? Do it. Do it. Well, I'm waiting for, for what? For everything to be perfect? It's never going to be perfect. Well, the Lord has instructed me to take some time off to sit and soak. Well, I'll see you Sunday 9 and 11 because my sermons are usually different. So be here for both. You're here on Wednesday. Good. But go back through Bible, go to Bible Institute or go back through it. If he's called you to sit and soak, then I got some messages I can give you from some of my favorite preachers. Hallelujah. Or whatever. If you're supposed to sit and soak, then sit and soak. If that's your assignment. Y'all want me to go back to India? You're looking like it. You can handle this. You can handle this. Time is short. Amen? If you were to stand before him right now, would you hear, well done? And only you can know that. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not going to be sitting there. Just you and Jesus. I do know this when I've had him tell me things before. Because, like, I'll just again give you my life. He would tell me to do something, and I know it's the Lord. But I would tell him why it couldn't be done. Have you ever told the Lord why, what he just asked you to do, why it cannot be done? Sure you have. Maybe not out loud, but at least on the inside. And then he knows every thought anyway, so you might as well say it. And the Bible says you can't even go to hell to get, rid of, to, to get away from him. So, I mean, he knows it, so you might as well chat it out, right? You know what I'm saying? Right. If you're going to chat with somebody, you ought to chat with Jesus. Right. Amen. You, know, you might as well have a conversation. But I've often found out he doesn't change. He just repeats. But I have gone through, you know, there are some things where says, come, let us reason together. But he's not really going to reason with you when it's something he told you to do. Because he's smarter than you are. And you're not going to talk him out of it. You can ignore him. I've done that. I thought I was good at it. I tell you my story all the time. You know, before I came down here, when the Lord told me to move down here and start a church. And how I ignored him and I was going to Peru to preach. And I thought I could outweigh him. I thought I was, I was really young in the Lord. I thought, he has to give me a message. He has, he don't have to do nothing. <laughs> you can't back God into a corner. You know, he can always find somebody else. But why would you want him to find somebody else in your happy place? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so, yeah, I've tried to outweigh him. I've tried to tell him why it won't work. 
but he's smarter than I am. And what I've yielded to him, you know what? I really, I never wanted to pastor. I wanted to go to the nations. I wanted to preach in Bible schools. I had me a nice um, uh, coastal in, in uh, Natal, Brazil, on the beach. I was going to have a Bible school there. I had a condo. I, I, I looked at a condo. I was going to eat meat and drink Guadana and train up those Brazilians. Hallelujah. I had a plan, man. Bring teams from the United States. But that was, and, and I never wanted to pastor, but I can tell you once I started doing it, whoo, was I content, even though it was hard. There's something about being in the will of God. There's something about doing it and doing it with all your heart. Even if you can't figure it out, even if it's hard, even if it's not convenient, I just implore you to get in there and do it. I want you to have something to lay at his feet. It's a because it's a paka chakibik nahangshi nacha alacho la rip ben so pai takani in show nehe bashi nakurta rata. So even in this room, you wonder what am I supposed to do? But I've called you, ordained you, I've blessed you. I've prospered you to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Never forget why you're blessed, to be a blessing. And as you daily live and as you go about your ordered steps, you will find that there are people that I have appointed you to meet, divine appointments and destinies that you must keep. Their souls, their eternity depends on you. Will you see it all the way through? Amen. Um, that's the deal. I mean, uh, God, you're, some of you have the grace of giving. Everybody's supposed to be a giver, but some people are having the grace of giving. And the Bible says, do it with simplicity. The Lord wants you. The reason that he's making some, I remember when I started this church and you know, when I first started, there was nobody here, but the Lord gave me some instructions as I was moving from Illinois down here. He told me that I would have millionaires in the church. And I got really excited thinking, wow, we can build right away. And he said, no, 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 no. They're going to come broke. No, no, no. They'll come broke. They'll come just with startups. But if they'll listen to my word and, and, and do what they're told, I, I'm gonna, you'll have millionaires, plural, in your church. Is that you? Well, it's not up to me. That's between you and God. Is everybody called to be a millionaire? I doubt it. Well, Pastor Mark, you preach about we're all supposed to be rich. Yeah, rich just means a full, abundant supply. There's not an M or a B connected to it. Just be blessed to be a blessing no matter where you're at. But the Lord has ordained some of you uh, with the gift of giving. Amen. And you're graced to make sure the gospel is preached. Uncle uh, was there and he was remembering uh, some of you probably weren't here at church. Him and his wife were here. And uh, I had an inspired moment. uh, And we bought them a car in one, one day. And he cried and because uh, he's like, you remember when you cried? And I'm like, yeah, I remember when you cried. And, and we got a car in one day. That's why we're blessed. 
to buy someone a car. That's why we're blessed. He was also remembering how our church caused uh, their building to be finished. Y'all, as a church, we got a lot of seed in the ground. I'm going to need a harvest soon, I think. Hallelujah. But we're blessed to be a blessing. What am I talking about? Everybody doing the will of God. Everybody doing the will of God. Because we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. Where are we? What were we talking about? What scripture are we at? Okay, it's 4 and 24. Let's pick up here and see where we can go. They sat down before the throne. Uh, they were, he sat on the throne and they worshiped him. And they cast their crowns before, before the Lord. Lord, help us to get our crown. Will the devil fight you? You betcha. Will he try to get you off course? Uh-huh. Will he try to get you interested in other things, pulled away from what God has ordained you to do? Yes. What does that mean for each and every one of us? Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. I think we might be surprised who needs help carrying their crowns away. Sometimes the people that are most out front. You know, uh, uh, ministers, you know, people think, well, they're the ones getting all the rewards. But you know what? Uh, people build churches nowadays on personality. Personality don't get no rewards at the, at the judgment seat. I don't care how big it was. Well, they had a million followers. Well, if that's not what they were supposed to be doing, there's no reward for that. Isn't that interesting? Someone in their prayer closet, every day obeying God, may need help. Get a few angels to carry away their crowns. Sometimes that which is not seen in heaven will be the most seen. It's not about being up front. It's not about being the most seen. It's about obeying. Everybody doing their part. Everybody doing their part. Do you want to have a crown? How do you get it? Well, first you've got to find out what it is God wants you to do. Then two, you've got to do it. And make sure you continue to do it. Don't let the devil pull you off course. And everybody's got to do what they've got to do. Hallelujah. Amen.